Welcome to, or welcome back to, the Journey Through Life podcast. I'm Justin Barton, the host of said podcast, and I'm happy today to be able to present this conversation I had with Christine Schwann a few weeks ago. This conversation has been entitled, Stand Guard at the Portal of Your Mind. And this is a really good conversation with Christine. We're going to journey through her life growing up in Chicago and then moving to Phoenix, the Phoenix area. And then some of the experience she's had throughout her life, which bring her to where she is today, which is working with the Major League Baseball team, Chicago Cubs, which is something obviously being born in Chicago that I'm sure is a dream for her. But um, we'll get to that point. But before we do that, I need to do a little bit of housekeeping. A few weeks back, I had a conversation, released a conversation with Brooke Ellefson called Believe, Arms Around. And in this conversation, Brooke shared her um, experience with non-small cell lung cancer. If you have not yet heard this conversation, you need to go back and listen to it. It was fantastic. It was life-altering for me and for many others who have listened to it. So go back and listen to it. But this week is the fund run that she is sponsoring to raise money for research for non-small cell lung cancer. And if you do not live in the Spokane area or don't want to run or walk 5K, uh, I will put a link in the show notes and also at our website, www.jtlpod.com, where you can go and donate. And we hope to raise a whole bunch of money for this. My wife and I will be going to run, actually, I'm going to walk the 5K and donate through that measure, but it's going to be a fantastic, it is a fantastic cause. Brooke immediately became one of my heroes in life, how she works through and shines through the adversity that she has been given. So anyways, I would highly encourage you to go find that link in the show notes or go to jtlpod.com and donate through the link that I will have there. Also, if you wouldn't mind to go check out our other partners that we have, partners that, well, help pay for this program, and I'm really grateful for these pro- these partners. The first one is A Life Untold. So this week, I was able to go and spend a few days with my parents and with friends and family who live in the Phoenix, Arizona area. I uh, was able to sit down with my mom for a few hours and help her upload pictures as nearly the final touches for her A Life Untold project that she's working on. Now let me tell you a little bit about A Life Untold. They're a company that helps absolutely anyone turn their life story into a beautifully designed hardcover book. Their process is designed to be easy for everyone, and even my mom, who is very technologically not very savvy, (laughs) is able to do this. And it's been a good experience for her. And as I helped her upload her pictures and getting ready to finalize that, it was just a really cool experience, and I'm really excited to see the final um, project. And what it will be will be a hardbound book, color with her story, with pictures from her life, and it will be delivered right to her doorstep. Now, if you don't want to write, or if the person that you're ta- thinking about doesn't want to write their story, you can set it up so that you can have one of A Life Untold's biographers give you a call and walk through the pro- th- through the interview with you. And then they will take it from there and design 
and create a beautiful hardcover book and deliver it right to your door. Once again, this is alifeuntold.com, and if you use promo code JUSTIN, J-U-S-T-I-N, at checkout, you'll save 10% on all orders. Remember to use that promo code JUSTIN when checking out at alifeuntold.com. I would also encourage you to go check out another of our partners, Shepherd Brackets. That's S-H-E-P-P-A-R-D, brackets.com. These are high-quality, heavy-duty, all-American steel floating shelf brackets. You may have seen the latest styles of open shelving in kitchens, bathrooms, living rooms, front rooms, whatever. These brackets are heavy-duty and will hold up those open shelves in a very sturdy manner and a very um, customizable manner. You can put that shelf anywhere and it will hold lots and lots of weight. Just remember to use promo code JTLPOD5 to save 5% at checkout, and you will not be disappointed, I can promise you. Check out the reviews on the website, shepherdbrackets.com. There's some amazing ones there. Now, before we get to this awesome conversation with Christine Schwann, I want to give a little quick shout-out to a new friend that my wife Heather and I met today while flying from Phoenix to Spokane. Her name is Erica, and she had a sweet little 8-month-old boy, Grady, and we just had some amazing conversations. I wish I would have had my recorder with me to record some of the amazing life experiences, life lessons, and just what a great person she is. I hope that somehow she hears this and enjoys this conversation in, in others, and maybe someday she or someone she knows and loves would like to be a guest on the Journey Through Life podcast. Now here we go with this awesome conversation with Christine Schwann. So Christine, tell me a little bit about some of your first meaningful, like molding memories that you have from your childhood. From my childhood, wow, you go right into something. Yeah. Uh, meaningful memories from my childhood. Well, coming from a large family, so six children, three boys, mm-hmm. three girls, I have memories of I want to say chaos, but it's not chaos, just a house full of noise and laughter and talking and play and friends and always, always having kids around, which is what I love. I grew up with that. Um, And always for me, my memories are of being outdoors, outside, loving to run and jump and climb trees and do anything physical and just be, uh, you know, out there usually playing sports with Mm. the boys and uh, enjoying it. And I say that because that's really been my passion. You know, when I go back and uh, somebody said, well, do you dream? What do you love to do? And I'm like, wow, you know, the question then said, go back to what you do as a child. And I'm like, Mm. oh my gosh, I was from the time I woke up to the time it got dark, even beyond that, I was outside. I was Mm. doing something physical. Mm. Uh, And that's, and I love nature and I just love the the body and being active that you, that pretty much is me in a nutshell. Mm. <laughs> and it's literally led me to where I am now in so many ways, but mm. I, that's what I remember. Just, um, well, very cool. So you said that you're one of six children is, or did you have six siblings? So seven children. No, there are six of us. Uh-huh. There are six children in seven years. Wow. So, 
we're we're literally yeah that close and it was born in illinois chicago area the year we drove out to arizona to move was was that year break (laughs) so Mm. we are all literally back to back to back to back and where do you fall in that uh in that family oldest you're second oldest Uh, yeah yeah i know I know. Are you the oldest girl or, or just second old? No, I'm the second oldest. I have a sister, two girls, three boys, and then it ends with a girl. Mm. And my brother, which is where I'm up right now staying, is uh, his birthday is literally three days after mine. And we're so we're 12 months apart. Wow. So he's just like my best friend, but it just, and then another one was like, five days apart behind us. So we're all stacked. Hmm. (laughs) So with with all all of you kids so close together, I wonder what the roles in that looked like. What, what did you see your role as, as the second oldest child? I kind of, I think my role was really to just kind of looked out for my brother behind me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just stayed out of the way uh, I think, I don't know that I had a role. I wasn't like the one in charge. Mm-hmm. That wasn't me. I was more the one to just go and explore. And I don't know my, mm-hmm. I don't think I had a role. I was mm-hmm. out of the house. My sisters were house, you know, more typical in the house. That was not me. So mm-hmm. I was the explorer. I I kind of felt, I'll be honest. Okay. So of all six kids, everyone, my mom and dad included have black hair or brown hair and dark eyes. And I was the only blonde haired, blue eyed. So Uh I I felt like I really didn't belong. I questioned if I was from the family. (laughs) Uh, So I I guess that plays a part. Like, no, I just was unique and did did things different. Didn't fall into any role. I was kind of, quiet, quiet one. Kind of a free spirit then, or was it more of a, yeah. Bing, 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 bing. bing. <laughs> yeah. Free spirit, free spirit. Yeah. And do you feel that you carry that on even now, however yeah. many years later? Absolutely. Always yeah. have. I, as they, as I think my mom might say, I'll put it into my words, you know, you marched to the beat of a different drummer uh-huh. and you never cared what anybody said or thought and you did your own thing. That pretty much, Yes, it's me still. (laughs) So has there been any experience or or instance in your life that you can think of where you felt that you kind of betrayed that free spirit and fell into conformity and you look back at that and go, hmm, that was an interesting experience. What did I learn from that? Wow. Yes, I I will answer that question. But man, you have just like right off the bat, really. (laughs) (laughs) I I love having real meaningful conversations about things that people don't normally talk about, you know? I do. Yeah, no. Um, And I can answer that question. And it was very conscious um, going through college. I went through college and I I got out early, meaning I, I just thought I had to work work, work, work. And the thing to do after college was as the female, well, you just get married. Even though I was working as a speech pathologist, mm. uh, you just get married. And consciously inside, as honestly as I was getting married, going like, it's just, just I don't know. It doesn't feel like me, but I'll do it because that's what 
Mm. which I was supposed to do. I'm to be the good little girl. Um, and that after I have two children, I absolutely love, I'm so grateful, but it just, it wasn't working. And I think because I was way too young, I just Mm. was way too young. And it was because I thought I had to do it. It wasn't like I had a different mindset around what marriage was versus now. And Mm. I so believe in it. Uh, it's a whole different mindset, and it's such a beautiful gift or sacrament or unity. But, you know, going through that and being very conscious and then the marriage uh, didn't work, going outside the norm, and at that time um, it was divorce, and that, mm-hmm. was, that wasn't accepted back then, mm-hmm. at least how I grew up, and, and, but consciously choosing that path knowing that I couldn't live my life being away and, and I kind of fell into a role that wasn't me, that, that that's the quick answer to your story. So, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Thank you for that. Now you said something in there that, that intrigues me and I want to kind of dig or explore a little bit more there. You said your view of marriage then has totally shifted to what it is now. And you said that you still believe that marriage is, is fantastic and whatever, but tell me what has changed. What, what, what views do you have different now than you had then? The first view was when I entered into it, it was, it was, you had a role. Mm -hmm. The the woman was supposed to, well, I say stay home, be a bit more submissive and just take on the role of a homemaker, which I, I really love doing, but it was restricted in that it didn't encompass so much more. Mm. And the male was the one to go out and work and I took care of him. I, which I do well, but it was a constricted role. Mm. There was more to it. And it was just, that's what you do. You don't question things. Uh, then after the divorce, I, boy, I didn't believe in marriage. I would tell you, nope, which is how most things correct themselves, even in nature. Right. I went from one extreme, boom, to the complete opposite. Five years of, nope, I don't need anyone, and I don't believe in it. And it just was, it was no. You know, if that's the way marriage is supposed to be, then no, I won't have it. Hmm. And through the evolution of my personal journey, growth, I've been divorced now almost 30 years. So I haven't found the person that, you know, is ready for that view of marriage or I don't know what to say. I haven't met Mm -hmm. the right person. I believe marriage is um, really, it's a gift and it's a blessing and it's, it's from God and it's meant to bring two people together. I believe male and female together and in you create a union and in that union, it's a, I believe marriage is a real living, breathing gift and organism and as you come together you create this it's alive it's real and it's the I I think it's the extension of God in a marriage that from that union all things go forth at an amplified level that we can't explain but it takes it allows the unique 
uniqueness of each individual, the man, the woman, to be their own entities, yet when they're together, there is this creation of so much more. It could be businesses, philanthropy, the marriage, children, but it's a living, breathing thing that I believe so much good comes from. Mm. It's thought, I think of it that way, and I know as I know it exists, and there's just a real pure love in that, and the love is the the love is a verb and it's something I can't even explain. Um, but I believe in it and I know it exists and I know I will have it. Don't know when, but yeah. that's what I believe. And, and so I took the onus off of what I was taught to believe. And just from my growth and that's what I truly believe it is now. Hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. You're you're very eloquent and seemingly passionate about marriage, and and yet you say, you know, I've been divorced thirty years. I haven't found the right guy. What does let's let's look at this? And you say you've got all your druthers. You know, everything falls into place. What does that person look like to you? Boy, uh, a man. that crazy that I would even have to say that to you, but that's how societies come nowadays. Uh Um, A a very, uh, first and foremost, um, a very uh, confident, secure man who is uh, a Christian, believes in God, uh, is intelligent, uh, successful in that whatever he has done, He's been successful at that doesn't have to denote money. It doesn't have to denote a status. It has to just be that which he's done has been a success. And, mm-hmm. and to me, that's all individual with each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. Probably uh, speak several languages and probably <laughs> might even somewhere else in this world. I love to travel. But he's he believes in a very similar thing, something mm-hmm. uh, that is a creation and that together it's a shared uh, union that more will be created. I don't believe in the limits of age. I don't believe in the limits of time or space. I just believe differently that from that, when they come together with that pure intention that everything is possible and things Mm. happen. So I kind of gear, steer away. He has to be physically active. He has to be very healthy, young in spirit, and uh, because physical activity and health is a part of my life and who I am. And right. Non-smoker. I mean, it maybe enjoys wine, a glass of wine, but it really it's all about the health and wellness of the body, mind, and spirit together. Mm. It has to have that, I think, as a base. And then from there, it can be as completely unique uh-huh. as I am, just different. Yeah. So, so now that we've got your dating profile down here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it has to be pretty tolerant and patient because, uh, yeah, what I do, I pretty much, I, I, you can't hold me down to one place right in this moment. And, uh, you know, hear what I say. There's no limits to what this individual is or can be because I don't want to be limited. Well, she has to fit this role. So, you know, Christine, you and I, our paths crossed, I don't know, maybe eight years ago or so. More than that. (laughs) If it gets longer ago than that, maybe, maybe 10, maybe 10 or 11 years ago. But yeah. 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 
But you are a speech language pathologist and you were working as such. And, and I work with a company that works with professionals like, like yourself and our paths crossed at that point. So tell me a little bit about your journey, how you chose to become a speech language pathologist and what your career path looked like through, you know, I don't know, the last few until up to the last few years. Okay. Um, boy, um, I, I, from the time I was young, um, I always in my mind's eye or in my thinking would think, what do I do? What should I do? What should I do? To me, it was a very special question. And I kept questioning it. And in high school, I came upon this, it was sophomore year. Um, and cause I would always ask, what should I do with my life? What should I do? I was a cheerleader and inevitably would always lose my voice after a football game, basketball game, you know it. And there was one moment in time where I was very aware in a group of my friends, I couldn't talk, I had no voice. And in this circle, being asked questions, I couldn't participate in the conversation. Hmm. And I tried, but I can remember everybody in the group just then not looking at me or communicating with me. Hmm. And in that moment, it just hit me, what what if I couldn't talk? I was deaf. What if I couldn't talk for whatever reason? Oh my goodness, is this how my friends, not that there was nothing wrong in how they treated me, but it was this overwhelming feeling of like, this doesn't feel good to hmm. this moment in time, have no voice, not be heard, not be able to communicate. And I, honest to goodness, and then that night I remember watching a Helen Keller movie. Hmm. <laughs> And I thought, I'm, I don't want anybody else to feel like this. So wow. very consciously from sophomore, I knew what I was going to do. Wow. And that is a, and, and we'll get back to the, the, the next part of the career path, but that's very, it's a great awakening moment that I think most sophomores in high school probably wouldn't recognize at that point. And you being able to see that and twist it and go, wow, other people and having this, serendipitous event with watching a, a Helen Keller movie the same day, you know, other people have these struggles all the time and I don't want them to feel like that. I'm going to do something about it. What a fantastic experience. Thank you. You acknowledge something. One that I hope everybody should be aware of is, you know, am I aware of, you know, why am I here and, and what do, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? I, uh, but I'm, it's funny because it takes me back to, Growing up, which you brought up the question earlier, and being the only blonde-haired, blue-eyed in this family, right? Extended family of cousins, and this, like, who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Always questioning. I mean, I really have a deep belief and faith in God, and just honestly, from the time I was young, always asking these questions, like, why, why am I here? Like, and the question first came with the coloring of my hair and my eyes. And then that wasn't abnormal for me, hmm. but for other people, I just want to do, like, I think I'm here for, I know I'm here for a reason. A mm -hmm. purpose. I want to know why I, I want to know why. And so mm -hmm. I listened and you know, God's kind of talked to me throughout started in high school. So I kind of had this, okay, I'm going to listen to you and I'll know your signs. And so that movie was like a, Oh Yeah. That's what you're supposed to do. So I never, I don't question things. Mm. 
and I knew it and what, gee, I'm a, I'm a cheerleader. I'm a communicator. I'm a talker. Like, Oh yeah, that falls right in line with who I am. So yeah, it's interesting though, that as I work my way through all this, like later on in the profession and, and again on my personal journey, I had an aha, another aha moment where I just, I figured it, it just was this, this is how funny God is. It's like, ah, it wasn't about helping other people. It was, but through that, I gave myself a voice. Oh, that was a very profound moment. Hmm. (laughs) Let's dig in that a little bit later. Remind me to come back to that experience where you found yourself a voice, but let's work to that point still okay so anyway so got into the went to college knowing it was going to be in uh communication disorders and took me to to arizona state university devils (laughs) Devils, yeah (laughs) um boy i could syncopize it but it was voice was my my specialty because again i had nodules as a cheerleader i had Mm. no voice I mean that's always been my base is voice but um, fell in love I went into the school setting with my bachelor's which we could Mm. do it at the time Uh, got married right after I graduated from college early you know had my children worked and then with the divorce had to go back and get my master's Mm -hmm. because I wanted a business I wanted to create a private practice because I knew that that was really how I could go and do anything I wanted to do, have a business, you needed the masters, and I could work anywhere in the world. So mm-hmm. I was working as in the school setting as a speech therapist, full-time, mm-hmm. doing uh, aerobics at night, had my children, very young, three and five, when the divorce happened, and then mm-hmm. was in graduate school part-time, as much as I could get through it until I had to go full-time and finish it. Um, so that took a big leap of faith, but got my mm-hmm. master's, created a private practice. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, I decided pediatrics was mine. I love special need populations, especially the more medically fragile and mm-hmm. had contracts, which is how I met you, contracts with the state contracted other therapists into schools and just built the practice from there. Hmm. Um, had a pretty successful practice until I kind of had it made a choice to shift into other things, but it was for a good long time. Yeah, no, and that's really cool. Um, and as you, you talked about, you know, when you were describing the perfect guy that you may find at some point, that they would be a success and whatever they do, whether that was financial or whatever. But you saw that sounds like pretty quick and you probably saw it before this, but after the divorce, you went, I need to be a success in what I'm doing and I need to do what it takes to be a success in what I'm doing. Was that kind of a, the, the mindset you had going into that or was it more of a survival thing? (laughs) I laugh because you nail it. (laughs) It was, it was both. Hmm. Um, it wasn't about the success. It was about I had to be successful to survive because I had to be the main breadwinner. What financially know that, okay, I needed to get the children through college, 
put them through and educate them the way I felt was best that would set them up for scholarships, whatever. And my goal was to, when the boys would go to college, that they'd be able to go into any school, any university they wanted, be it Harvard, be it over in Cambridge in England, it, wherever they wanted to go, I wanted them to have the scholastic ability to do that as well as the, the mindset, the knowledge, and then the funds to be able to help them in that respect. Mm. So that was how I, why I wanted to be successful to be able to set them on that path. Cause that was my, that was my mindset of taking care of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the business then was successful because that was my end goal. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So it was survival mode though. It was survival mode. I'll be honest. Yeah. Right? I'm sure there were lots of days where um, you had no idea how you, and maybe not, maybe financially too, but maybe mentally and emotionally where you had no idea how you could move on with full-time work, full-time school, full-time mother, and with all these uh, things that you had. How did you deal with those emotional and mental difficulties? Uh, how did I deal with that? Boy, whew. I did go to counseling for a while to begin with and um, had my children going through some counseling it was, uh, how did I, 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 I go right to survival mode. Wasn't the best way to handle it. Mm. Um, didn't take or ask for a lot of help. In fact, would consciously choose not to go the route of, well, you could go, you know, get some economic security or this or that. No, I dug my heels in and I would work as hard as I could. Mm-hmm. Be, I raised my voice the best that I could. And I look back on it now and I just go, wow, survival mode is good, but the stress of it all, I didn't deal with it. I I did get sick. I did have a couple of, okay, how do I even piece all this in? Um, I stayed in survival mode until those boys were often in college and Mm. were doing very well. They were just incredibly well to, to get into college and, to do and get the scholarships there and help as much as I could on the other end. Um, and it wasn't until later. And I say all that to go, like, I didn't deal with the stress. I would work out. I pushed myself, but I'm telling you all this because the body will get you to listen if you don't Mm. deal with stress. And it wasn't until like 2007, Mm. I probably had already met you by then, but the realization that, they went away to college out of state. They just weren't coming back. And I it was right on the edge of a nervous breakdown. Hmm. I mean, I was either that or something not too pleasant on my end consciously. Right. And, um, it was that at that point where I started getting into yoga, I did yoga and that hmm. really helped, but boy, the path just shifted. So I didn't listen to that survival mode very well. And I should have, should have taken more help. I should have asked for help with friends, but I didn't. Yeah. And I I actually wanted to ask you a little bit about that. If you, if you in 2007, when you about had what you said, a, a nervous breakdown, if you could have gone back to yourself 15 years before that and said, Hey, Christine, here's what your path's going to look like. Here's some advice I would give to you at this point, what kind of advice would you go back and give yourself then? Uh, 
You know, well, first I would, I would say the first piece of advice I would say, man, get into the Bible, get into a really good Christian church Mm. and surround myself with like-minded people Mm. uh, and, and daily devote myself to spending time with God. Mm. Bar none, first and foremost. And I say all that, but I would never take away the path I took Mm. because the path I took and every single person in that life and even all the mistakes I made, I've learned along the way and it has me where I am today. So I wouldn't take anything away from it. I have Mm. no regrets. Mm. I'm so grateful for everything and everyone and the journey was my choice, was the choices and the choices I made got me to where I am um, all the while, never knowing where I'd end up. But that one piece of advice, 15, to say to that person 15 years is the one thing that I would have said, add that to it, add that to it. That'll help you. That'll get you stronger. Hmm. So in 2007-ish about when you, when, when this shift started happening from survival mode to the next step in your life. Was there a person or an instance that specifically happened then that made you go, Hmm, this is the next step I need to take, or this is the change in path I need to do. Uh, no, not a person. Again, I, I, I feel that God's in the middle of all this just to help me. No, it, my sister-in-law, had, had been saying for 10 years before, you know, go try yoga. But I'm a, I was a, into fitness. I kind of had these two. During the day, I'd be a speech pathologist. And then when I, at night, I'd turn into this aerobic instructor. I mean, I was always teaching aerobics. I was always, I was lifting. I was into that to try to help raise money, believe it or not, to help me so that I could keep going. And I, I just said no. But when she said, just try yoga, I, I read the book, Eat, Pray, Love. Mm, I love was the book. Yeah, I read it in one weekend. I, that book, I mean, it was her staying on me, reading the book, going like, I'm either going to have a nervous breakdown or you have to do something different where I went and did one class, yoga. And it was like, whoa, that was hard. So it was a challenge to even stay in the room and finish it. But I did. And I thought, I got to go back. So it helped me. And then from the practice of yoga, it something shifted in me. I can't tell you what. It wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't into the spiritual journey much either. But I remember being in traffic one day after driving out to Buckeye to beach and, you know, being stuck in traffic one hour, one way, one hour back, but being stuck in traffic because there was an accident and it was going to be a three hour year dead stop. Mm -hmm. And normally I would have, oh, I would have just flown off the handle. A couple of good words in there and sitting there going, wow, I'm at peace wow, what just, wow, this isn't me. What's going on? And this Mm -hmm. awareness of something's going on. What is different? What's different? And all I go is, well, I've just been doing yoga. Like what? Okay. And it just opened up this awareness. Mm -hmm. And 
there are points in my life where this awareness opens and I go, whoa, okay, something's different. So, and now, and mind you also at that point, I did find a good Christian church I was going to and I go, okay. So just really uh, that opened things up for me, just awareness wise. And then started, uh, I can remember listening to more podcasts. I was listening to Joel Osteen. I was just, opening up in different ways and I completely forgot your question. <laughs> no, no. I just rambling on. <laughs> no, but but what this is is I think that that moment in the car was that instance where you had this realization of there's something changing and something needs to continue to change. And I find that very interesting. As you look back at it now, seeing things through, you know, hindsight 2020 and you see that and at the time you said you were asking yourself, what has changed? And you just said, Oh, it's, it's yoga basically. Now, as you look back at it, was there anything deeper than just doing yoga that changed? And if so, what was it? Yes. Yes. The answer to that. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm glad you asked the question because yoga is not, Oh gosh, there's so much I want to say around that. It was deeper. It was me going within and going within myself and really looking at myself Mm. at the level in all ways. And that, you know, yoga only means, it's only a word. We in America think it's about, oh, it's what we do in that studio there where I got to pay a gazillion dollars to go and have somebody tell me what to do. No, yoga is a word. And the word means to yoke or bring together the union of the body and the mind and the spirit. Wow, that's deep. Okay, keep going. <laughs> and I, I, I'm passionate about making that distinction. Uh, while I might have started and go, oh, gosh, it's the yoga. Absolutely no. It was me going within myself, being with myself. Mm. I, I want to cry when I say that. You know, to be able to be with yourself and look at yourself in every way, like, whoa, my imperfections, <laughs> my quote, you might say, well, my inflexibility. Well, no, it's my imperfections. It's the, the parts of me that I didn't ever sit with because I didn't give myself the time to sit with because I was in survival mode. Mm. I was going to be dead <laughs> unless I started looking at myself. So looking at myself in every way, physically, Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, the whole energy of me, absolutely, that was, that was what came through all that. So that aha moment in a car, just like the aha moment in uh, high school, mm-hmm. I think these things are so important. They're the shifts, I think, when things happen and you kind of open up into another awakening as something bigger than ourselves. Um, so very consciously, so many of those moments, but yeah, it was deeper than that. And it was looking at myself and really being able to say like, okay, I'm not perfect. And how, who am I and why? And is that something I want to believe or what do I believe anymore? And how can I just be better uh, in who I am and who I'm being and how could I help others? And it just kind of expands. There's so much more of that, but 
Yeah. So it's kind of the same question as when you're a kid, who am I? Why am I here? What am I doing? All of a sudden you have those same questions again, but it, the door opens up that much more. <laughs> yeah. You know? The door opens up into different things now. Yes. Right? Yeah. It opens up and takes you into a new, right. The, the next step, I guess. Right. Right. I yeah, absolutely. It sure did. Because from that, it was, you know, the practice was successful and I'm working. My boys are gone trying to deal with the reality of, whoa, okay, I'm not, I did what I was supposed to do. I, I did the best I could with being the mother and getting my boys off into the world. And man, they are so successful. Awesome. Uh, and it's, it's about being like, okay, then, whoa, what am I supposed to do now? Everything I did was for, my mind was for the boys. Mm-hmm. I survived, I did everything in my mind for them. And that's not a bad thing. That's right. not, it is what it is. And then going, whoa, okay, what do I do now? What do I do now? Why do I still like what I'm doing? And and yes, it was good, but there's like, whoa, there was mo- then all of a sudden to be in doing insurances started to change. Mm. The whole healthcare system in our state and around the country started to change with the special needs population. Mm. All of a sudden it became harder to get contracts and the districts didn't want to pay you. There became a shift mm-hmm. every way in our field of speech pathology, but obviously 2007, 2008, there the bubble was, was beginning to burst. Yeah. And when I look at it on a global level, things in the consciousness of the world started to shift and change. Mm. And I became, I wanted to learn more about yoga. So I did teacher training and I started mm. teaching yoga. So no more was I teaching aerobics after mm-hmm. my work, I'd go and teach yoga. Wow. After my work and that bringing more around, oh God, I love being in the body again. Go back to when I was a little girl. Oh my gosh, I love doing physical things. I loved it. It was mm-hmm. if teaching yoga, doing yoga, lifting, being around and back in the body, I felt alive again. Mm-hmm. And so many things I start to, uh, learn about and and really my passions and all around that started coming back tenfold so i want to go back a little bit to what what does the word yoga mean again yoga is a sanskrit which is an ancient language in in india and i'm not an expert in this uh, but it just means to yoke or bring together the union of the body, the mind, and the spirit. Mm. And so yoga, coming 6,000 years prior to this time, mm-hmm. was a word that meant simply that. They wanted to get closer to God. Yeah, There were different ways to do it. And it is not about uh, doing this physical practice. That what you see in studios should be called asana should be mm-hmm. called it is just a physical practice to get you to the point where you then are more open to bringing everything together to think about that and mm. be in that state 
And it's simply an asana. It's a, it's a practice to help you get to the point that you can be and consciously aware of my goal being to create the union with the body spirit. I love the word yoke together of the, the body, the carnal, and yeah. the spirit, the divine, and the mind. How do you envision that? I mean, you've kind of just defined it, but if you were to draw this on a piece of paper, what would that look like to you? What? The, Yoga, the yoking of the, the carnal and the spirit and the mind. Uh, what it would look like. I do. I take the yoke of what they used to have with the oxen, mm-hmm. right? And you take, uh, you take three oxen, mm-hmm. <laughs> but because it's body, mind, and spirit mm-hmm. versus the old two, and it would be the physical, and they're all equal. And mm-hmm. you take that physical body and the, the mental body and the spirit, and in the middle to me is the spirit, and you take the heart is at the center of everything. And, mm-hmm. Because that's where breath comes from, and breath is life, and life is God, and everything is within that. And I think that would be my my visual drawing of it because your body is not the end-all, be-all. Mm-hmm. Your mind, your ego is not the end-all, <laughs> be-all. <laughs> and there's only one, and that brings it all into the union, which it has to be the heart, the breath, the spirit, the life, which comes from God, which is God, and that's the everything. Mm. And, and that is yoga. That's the essence of it. How do we get to that point of creating the union? Hmm. I love that imagery. Thank you for sharing that. That really helps me. Well, it's really enlightening me a little bit. So I appreciate that. That is me talking. If you ask five, a hundred, a thousand other quote people who do yoga or teach yoga, I don't know if you'll get that answer. And I'm really getting on a, um, I'm standing up on a platform and saying, what everybody thinks is yoga, I see it going down such a, I, such a, a misconstrued path. And I don't like where it's going. Hmm, I'm interesting. More passionate about that. Much yeah. Better. And I don't know that this conversation is where, no, the best place to talk about that, but that's really cool to, to think about. And maybe you and I can catch up on that at some point. Not a problem. You but, got it. Uh, so you, you, you did kind of a shift in career. I mean, you're still, I think you're still doing some things with speech, some things with kids, but tell me what, <laughs> tell me what you're doing now. I'm fascinated. <laughs> uh, I, I so still with speech. I, I'm an adjunct professor through the community college system, I teach the anatomy and physiology online uh, with our speech language pathology assistant program mm. at Australia Mountain Community College. Oh, okay. And I've been doing that since, oh gosh, 06. I mean, it's mm. quite a while. Yeah. Prior, actually, not since 06. In 2002, I actually was a clinical assistant professor at Arizona State University. Mm. where I ran the voice lab. Voice is my passion. Mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Case, my mentor, was getting ill. And 
I also taught the um, graduate level cleft palate, craniofacial and voice classes mm. until approximately 2008, give or take, until the soft monies ran out. So I started uh, the higher level teaching, if you will, as a adjunct professor, though I do not have my PhD, people say mm-hmm. that, but that's the kind of title you're given. Okay. And then into um, teaching the uh, uh, adjunct at Australia Mountain with the anatomy and physiology. The path, so, so teaching has always been part of what I do and love, be it aerobics from the time I was 18 through to yoga, now with anatomy and physiology, and my passion being the body. So you could kind of see where I say that to pull it all together. That is my passion. The, the body is the most amazing aspect of what we're given. It's an incredible machine. Mm. And I'm fascinated with how it works. And um, I absolutely love it. And I love to teach it individuals, which I'm doing now, about their body in terms of your body, my body, each of our physical bodies is unique. Mm-hmm. We're not all the same. So if you, I'm going to teach you in a yoga class, I can't teach the class to two people to a hundred people and have and expect you all to do it the same way without, you know, possibly injuring all of you. I have to teach you and educate you. I, I like to teach you to fish versus mm-hmm giving you a fish and saying, come back to me. It's about having you know this amazing body at the depth that I would love for you to know, if not more. And then, mm-hmm. so with the collapse in 2010 of our economy in Arizona, at least, mm-hmm. every person with a master's lost their contracts. Mm-hmm. Every person with speech pathology, I lost it. So I had to shift into, okay, let me start teaching yoga. Let me see, can I create more? How can I do more around yoga? Because I would do it anyway. So getting more teachings, more education, and starting to work with some athletes uh, because I love the athletic world and doing some private speech. But still, it was a shift. Everything collapsed. Insurances, the schools. Lost my home. Mm. So from that point, um, going to renting. The the very long story became I really fell in love and was still getting by financially when I look at a success. But this is where I believe it was just shifting me into my next line, which is I, I became very good at um, taking private clients with yoga. So teaching at studios the best I can. And then one thing would lead to another to another, going back and doing some contracting finally about four or five years later when it opened up. Mm-hmm. And then going like, yeah, no, I, it's okay, but I like what I'm doing, but I love what I was doing with yoga. So mm-hmm just and, and getting deeper in my faith and knowing like, okay, I've got to keep resting. Hmm. So, so I'm contracting in schools again. I'm teaching yoga in the mornings before work privately, going to do my contracting, teaching yoga after in doing this nonstop and knowing that, God, I'd really love to just, you know, I don't know what, but I'd love to do that, but I don't know how I could financially do that. Mm-hmm 
I have to tell you, I found a great church and I, I just kept my faith. I'd been doing some um, teaching some yoga with the instructional leagues with the, the Cubs mm. in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And um, boy, oh boy, boy, I have to say that in, I can't take this out of the piece, but in it was New Year's Eve 2016. I said, okay, God, I'm ready. Like, I'm so ready. Show me what you want me to do. I've, I've been doing this for so long with this speech and in this, and just take me where you want me to do. Cause I'm, I want to do something bigger, right? Mm-hmm. I want to do something big for you. 2016, I get to do yoga for the Cubs. The major uh, league baseball team, the Cubs, not just within the, the training organization, right? Correct. With the major league. And then had the opportunity to meet one of the players it's such a long story, but I came away and I just knew they were going to win the World Series. Uh, the young player that I met, uh, Tom Listella, and I shared, had these amazing conversations about something greater than we are. And he'd seen the same thing. Mm. And I said, I, and I got to meet Joe Madden and has a very similar mindset and I said to Tom, like, I just think I have to go to Chicago and I can't tell you why. And he said, I do too. So, okay, let's go. And (laughs) I moved to Chicago. I -hmm. left my contracting position and left my apartment, gave all my things away. I took my clothes, my book and my savings and just said, okay, I'm going to go. And Mm -hmm. would go in every day with Tom did the field and meditate and started doing yoga after a week with one of the players there, Kyle Hendricks, a pitcher. And we would do that every day and got on a rotation and it has all led itself into, I'm, I'm in there. I've been there since 2006. Now I'm an employee of the Cubs. Mm. I've been working with them contracted with them last year but stayed working with Kyle Hendricks the year after they we they won the World Series mm-hmm. with up for the Cy Young and it just expanded into meeting so many people and that is where I am now and I hope to continue to be there and uh, work with the players there and then some individually in off seasons and other MLB players. And that's what I do now. Mm. People that know me have heard me say this many times, and I don't know that you've ever, maybe in our conversations, when I first found out you were working with the Cubs, I said this, but to me, baseball is the only true sport. (laughs) I love baseball. Love it. And even me having this uh, contact (laughs) high of knowing you, who's, works for a major league baseball team just makes me go, Oh, that's so awesome. I know somebody who works for the Cubs. I'm not a Cubs fan, but, you know, <laughs> but still it's awesome to, to have that connection. Now, not to get all fanboy on you or anything like that, but what is an experience you've had while working with the Cubs and with baseball players that has maybe been, maybe not quite an aha moment, maybe an aha moment where a door's opened again, but, has been something that has helped make you who you are today? 
So are you asking, is there an aha moment with me for what has opened up for me? Or perhaps have you witnessed one of these players or the coach you mentioned, Joe Madden, or, or somebody else that you've worked with have some aha moments because of that uh, work that you've done with them? Um, oh gosh, I don't quite know how to answer this with you, Justin. Um, I'm going to shift out of aha moments to me were these synchronicities that started happening. Mm-hmm. And, and I do, I shift out of aha moment because my aha moment really came when it was like, whoa, I asked, I asked God to put me, you know, basically do a leap of faith to do something totally crazy. Mm-hmm. But believing that what I was doing was, I'm I'm going to be fine. I have a faith. I just knew they were going to win it. I saw it. I mean, Mm -hmm. and my aha moment would be to stay true to something that you believe in so deeply and don't question it. And then to see that people would, would go like, wow you really do believe you're mm. not wavering. Maha moment was like, no, there's nothing to question in this. And then to see how some players would respond to that faith would help them and would, would keep them going. But it wasn't me. I mean, I guess I got all this to say like, that oh, wasn't me. Oh, the aha moment. It was just this continual synchronicity after synchronicity after, oh my goodness, like a whole world opened up. And it was as if the, the I can't take it out of it. It's as if this veil between there's a whole other world out there. And I don't mean the baseball world and all right. of that it is it's this wow when you go out and you take leaps of faith and you really just stay true and then things open up for you and your passions and your dreams come to you and you know you're never here's my aha moment you're never in control of any and everything and it's always better when you let go of control it's better than what you ever thought it could be yeah, I'm realizing like I must sound crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so so one of the things that I really want to talk about here is maybe, well, I, I'm going to say this and then we'll kind of shift gears a little bit. You probably won't say this and others may not say this, but I'm going to say it just because I, lo- I, I would love to say it. The fact that the, the Cubs won the World Series has a lot to do with you. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I would say no, that's not, I, I, it was going to happen. Um, the synchronicities did, you know, I can't say anything except it wasn't me. But you were along for that ride and had a good time was, with it. I was there. I was in the clubhouses. I was with Kyle as he really just came into the knowing really of who he was and what he could do. Um, and just, I was just there and I was just there to, to be who and help in any way I could. It was, it, and you know what, it, it was about baseball and it was great. It was 108 years since the Cubs won the mm-hmm. world. Series. I've been a Cubs fan since I was five years old. Oh, yeah. I was born in Chicago mm. I do not ask me. I was a major fan of the Cubs. Don't ask me how, you know, that's where God puts pieces together before. Yeah. But 
when the world, every player who was there after the World Series, they were all blown away because everybody talked about it. Like fans were, were, would come up and it was about, thank you. Like you brought my family back together. Thank you for, it wasn't about this trophy. It was about you shifted a mindset and you brought us back together. Did you realize it was about bringing the light into this city mm. of millions of people? And what shifted was a hundred year old belief around we're losers, we'll never win, literally changing into we can do it. Mm. Do you see you shifted a whole belief? They they shifted a belief. And so from that belief now, you have this different energy. You mm. have this different mindset. You have one of we can do it. And you don't tell me that game seven, there was even every single person will say that it was divine. You bet it was. I mean, the, the rain delay at the exact moment in time, you can't make that up. Mm. And, and it shifted a whole mindset and changed a belief. And I, 108 years was incredible. I mean, uh, there are 100, do you know there are 108 stitches on a baseball? <laughs> no, no I, I did not know that. <laughs> I have this whole list of things that have to do with the number 108, how, how truly oh. it is. Anyway. Wow, that's great. I do want to dig, not dig, but mention something here. You know, the Cubs fans have always been known as the lovable losers forever. Yeah. And that's not a label that's put on them anymore. I have, I have never, I haven't heard that since that time. And, you know, it was kind of an endearing statement. Oh, you're such lovable losers. But if, even if it's an endearing statement, how does that make me feel? And let's take ourselves out of baseball here. Let's make this about life. If somebody comes up to me on, on the street or maybe somebody that I've known forever and says, Justin, you're a good guy, but you know, you'll never, you'll never amount to anything. How does that make me feel? Oh, I'm a good guy, uh, but I'm a loser. So let's relate that a little bit to, to life. How have you seen maybe in speech practice, maybe in yoga, how have you seen an individual? Do you have an instance where an individual had a similar awakening maybe yourself do you have an instance where you had that little awakening like that i i didn't have just one instance i am i am and have been a believer in that what you say being in speech you know a word a word has a profound effect on an individual in terms of its meaning and you, I could say one word, you have a different connotation or picture of it, or it means something different than me. Communication is the hardest thing I believe in this world because there are so many nuances and we're all different. But what I, what I have come to believe, and I don't know that it was an aha moment, more of a progression of my path that Every word spoken, every word thought, a word has an energy to it, you know, and, and you go to the, the Japanese doctor, and I don't remember the name, where a word written on a bottle of water literally changes the crystal structure of that, the chemical structure of that water. Mm. Put a very negative word on it, 
it changes the structure chemically as well. Hmm. I began going and thinking, oh my gosh, words have energy. Everything is energy. Everything is energy. So I have to first start with what am I thinking about myself and, and being in a survival mode and beating myself up more so that I wasn't good enough. Whoa, yeah, I had a major turnaround in that. And and even in, in the Bible, you know, you, the words have power. I don't know the scripture. Everything has told us, people of a higher knowledge is that what you think about comes about and, mm. and energy to a word, a thought, a belief is there, whether I say it or someone else. So mm-hmm. I have to start with myself mm. and I have to really, as Emerson said, Ralph Albert Emerson, stand guard at the portal of your mind. Mm. What, what words do I let somebody say around me? What do I watch on TV? What do I listen to? So much so, my path now, Justin, is I watch, I don't watch TV unless mm. I play sports or something that I like, uh, like a Hallmark channel. I really, if somebody were to come in front of me, it's every day, yesterday, somebody just did it. So yeah, you know, I'm getting older. I'm like, stop. Mm. Don't say that. Age is a state of mind. Like mm. you are literally saying something that isn't true and you have a picture in your mind when you say it and where did you get that from from the tv and what they Mm. throw out there at certain ages you're supposed to look like this like i don't believe it i challenge every single person's belief around anything and everything so the every word thought has an energy so when you talk about the lovable losers it doesn't exist anymore Mm -hmm. now it's like anything is possible we can do anything. We never quit. We'll go back to the Cubs. It's like that is what is the pro- the prominent thought process from the top down and from that city going outward. And it, it's a, I have that deep belief. I know it as I know it. I've lived it. And, you know, that's where I'm at. So, yeah, my path has taken me down that road. You know? Yeah living proof of it that's super cool so i have just a couple more questions for you that i one that i've uh that i thought of at the very beginning of this conversation when you shared something that i want to bring it back around with and then a couple that i almost always ask uh guests at the end it's kind of a forward-looking question but the first one is you mentioned earlier that in helping others find their voice you found your own voice and i wanted to get to when you found your own voice and what that means to you now Um, that you had something to say, I think is how you put it. Yeah. I I don't know the exact moment, but I know there was a moment. (laughs) There was a aha moment and it was, it was the voice, everything for me, what came about in the moment. And I remember where I was and that doesn't matter. It's a matter of, I'm helping others find their voice when all along I, in the moments that need to happen, need to speak my, my voice, my opinion, whatever it is. And it's not just about someone else because 
if I give another person a voice and they choose not to use it, how dare I think that they should use it a certain way? It all comes down to me and speaking what I believe. And I, and I don't, I didn't do that very well. I would think in my mind something, but I didn't bring it forth at the right time or I didn't bring it forth with grace and I didn't bring it forth in a way that would be uh, the best way possible. So there's a way to bring my voice forth and it's, it really will culminate in really writing everything down and, and bringing it together in a book. Cause as you can tell, I have a lot to say and I talk about it, but it just made me realize that I need to speak truth of, not feelings and not anger or judgment, just but the truth in the moment that might, for example, if I see someone and I think, gosh, Justin, I, and Justin, from me to you, really, truly, to reach out and to have this chance to connect after so long, I'm really, truly grateful. Mm. To, to take the moment to say thank you, even with people listening, that's a moment in time that, I want you to acknowledge and I want to say thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome, by the way. And so you, thank you. And, and I try to practice that. And so it comes down to being mindful and present and speaking if something needs to be spoken or not speaking if I don't have anything positive to say or beneficial. Mm. So it's not just a voice, mind you, to, oh, hear me, hear me. It's knowing when to speak and when not to speak, but being true to that. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So let's project out a little bit. And I know that, uh, that you're one who focuses on today and making today the best it can be, but let's project out 80 years into the future. Your great grandkids are sitting around and, and they're talking about things and they go, Hmm, Great. Grandma Christine, what does she have to say to me today that will help me out? And they stumble across this thing. What do you want to share with them? Boy, I, I haven't been telling them by now. I, I wish to share that we're really all connected. Whatever the world that you're living in, I pray that it's one where you can see that everyone is connected. There are no differences. And what you focus on is going to grow. And so keep your focus on the uniqueness within each of us and the connectedness within each of us. And consider it like a, a web that's interlaced around this amazing earth of ours and include the animals and include the trees and include the things that you cannot see, but they're all there. And just see it, feel it, believe it, and know and anchor it in your heart. And if you can do that and you can stay focused on that, it'll guide you and it'll keep you in a path that's for the good of all. And don't let differences come in that because differences are like the jewels and the gems that create this beauty 
oh my goodness, this kaleidoscope of beauty, but we are all connected and not one is better than another. Hmm. And hold that in your heart and just hang on to it. I like the question that you ended with. That's actually hmm. a really cool one. I'm finding people nowadays are, are more, they're still in the, in the mind of, let me learn, let me learn, let me learn, let me learn, let me learn. And it's like, you know, one, that's too safe. You know, that's get, that can get really comfortable. When are you going to go out and then literally live it? As mm. you said, and, and I mean, like, that, that's a big step out in faith. And I don't mean by religion, but mm-hmm. that's a big step in faith to go like, okay, I'm going to have to go out there and I'm going to have to walk and fall and walk and fall all these things that I'm learning and it's just a big key piece. Does that make sense? Because I'm finding the people who, not, and I'm not talking about you, people who are learning and in professional growth or all around this, you know, oh, well, you're not supposed to do that. And they're, they just tell you because they're in their mind. They're not actual living it. It's like mm-hmm. you're living, you're living it. You're doing what you feel you're supposed to do. And it's like, wow, I, th- I think it's great. I, mm-hmm. I really do. I support you in any way. I really Thank do. you. Well, Christine, is there any other experience or thought that you feel you want to get out there before we close up this conversation? Boy. <laughs> uh, the next time you meet a person, no matter who it is, one of your family members or you're out, stop everything you're doing. Give them as m- all of your attention, even if it's just for five seconds to stay, say hello, look them in the eye, let the opportunity to connect the heart for that brief second be ever present in everything you do. And don't let a phone and don't let a waiver stop, face them heart to heart, look them in the eye. And just give them everything you've got for that brief moment in time. Mm. Your life will change. Mm. Have awareness of it. That's what I would say. Well, I'm grateful that you've taken this time to be present with me. It's, it's made a big difference in my life. And I want to thank you for your willingness to sit down and share with, with me and with those who will listen. Oh my gosh. I, 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 you're very welcome. And I appreciate your time too. And thank you for listening. (laughs) You're doing very well. Awesome. There you go. Stand guard at the portal of your mind. What an amazing conversation with an amazing woman. I just love having these conversations with people. The more I do, the more I realize that one of the taglines of this podcast is so true. Ordinary people with extraordinary stories. I believe that we all have an extraordinary story or two or three inside of us that would be very valuable to share with our posterity, generations to come from now. I hope that you, if you would like to share that story, will reach out to me. You can do so by going to the website www.jtlpod.com and go to the link that says share your journey and you can input that information right there. You can also go check us out on Facebook and message me through there if you would like to do that. The mess, the Facebook is uh, JTL Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram with the same uh, name, JTL Podcast. And 
I just really look forward to hearing from people from all over, from all walks of life who have amazing experiences or maybe just ordinary lives, but within those lives, some experiences that will help us and those who come behind you understand you better and understand the things that are most important to you. Now, once again, please go check out the show notes below or go to the website jtlpod.com to donate to the lung cancer research for Brooke Ellefson, a previous guest on a previous show. And once again, go check out that show. Uh, You think that this one was amazing, and it was. The one with Brooke will also be amazing and will be a life-changing one. It's called, once again, Believe Arms Around, A Journey Through Life with Brooke Ellefson. Now, thanks again for listening to this week's episode. Next week, we'll have another great conversation with an ordinary person with an extraordinary story. Until then, have a fantastic week. Mm -hmm.